Welcome to the Butts and Seats Podcast, episode number 72. It's 72? the last... No, it's not the last Starcade. I keep thinking it's the last Starcade. No, it's we not. do have Starcade 2000. Yes. But it's Starcade 99, baby! Starcade 99. I'm Nick alongside Emily. Woo! Emily, how you doing? Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo! We are one year removed <laughs> from, from the first appearance of the stun gun. Oh my god, was that a Starcade? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. That's how Goldberg lost his streak. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that was last Starcade. I don't think I realized that was at Starcade. Yep. Oh, no. This is technically Starcade X7, because it's the 17th Starcade, but uh, it's it's no WrestleMania X7. Yeah, no. Or, as I call it, WrestleMania 17, because that's just how numbers work. X7. That's not Roman numerals or regular numbers. It's both. It's edgy. It's 2001, baby. Baby. Got this hot dog flavored water. Ew, what? The chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water. God, are you not cultured? You don't know Limp Biscuit album names? <laughs> I guess not. Sorry. Emily, how you doing today? I'm alive. I feel like not much has happened in the world of wrestling since last episode to this one. It's still pre-WrestleMania. We are going to do our WrestleMania chat. We'll see how long it goes this time. Because last time it was like, we'll talk for 20, 30 minutes. And then it was... <laughs> Let's talk for two hours. Yeah. We'll see what happens with that. I'm excited. I'm excited because we're going to actually be able to watch together this year. Yes, bits of it at least. Bits of it. I'm excited. What were your expectations going into this show? Incredibly low. I had the lowest of expectations going into this. Which I think is kind of the way I should be going into all of these. eh, It's important to have expectations. I, I think there is a false narrative of... Oh, this is their WrestleMania. Like, it's it's not. Well, they keep calling it the big granddaddy of them all. Which WWE has stopped doing for WrestleMania. Do you know why? Vince McMahon is like, makes it sound old. Stop it. He's afraid of aging, isn't he? I think Vince McMahon fears death. By the way, that that phrase, I think the origin of it is like, or not the origin, but the popularization of it is like the Rose Bowl. So WWE even stole that. Oh, well, that sounds about right. But, Emily, you want to get into the show a little bit? I'd rather not. Well, we can start with the buy rate. Okay. Because, uh, oh boy. I'm guessing quite low. Ooh. Okay, you're actually going to have to, you're going to have to guess twice. Oh, no. So, last month, did 200,000 buys. How many did Starcade 1999 do? I'm going to guess 175. 145. Woof. And here's the real woof. Do you want to guess how many pay-per-view buys Starcade 1998 had? Like 400,000. 460,000. What? Oh no, so we jumped from 460 to 140? What a difference a fucking year makes. What a difference a stun gun and a poke of death makes. Fucking ouch. Yeah, I think the numbers kind of speak for themselves there. I don't know what else we can really say that'll uh, that just tell you how, how far it's gone. This year, this year in wrestling. It's been a shitstorm. I mean, there were some good buy rates this year. It just really, like, once Russo took over, it really started. What? Yeah. When Russo took over, it well, got actually, bad? Well, actually, technically, the pay-per-view before that also did really bad. Yeah, it's it's rough out there. Not WWE. They're doing great. Well, they're WWE, fine. they're still finding their footing from when Russo left. They're about to have perhaps their greatest, like, performance year in 2000, so... Yeah, that... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but this is Starcade 1999, written by Vince Russo. Just want to note that at the front. 
taking place on December 19th, 1999 from Washington, D.C. I think it's still the MCI Center. The nation's capital. We start with the opening package with some very choppy audio, but that's just the way they edited it. Can you do a little impression of of just, just the general style? Tonight. Goldberg versus Bret Hart in the travel. Yeah, like it seemed like somebody had done it and they went not fast enough and they didn't and have. And they just had to cut every yeah. possible bit of air between each word. Here's the thing. They need to bring in George Lucas because George Lucas is famous for having like one direction after, I guess only two directions after each take, faster and more intense. It's all he would tell the fucking yes. actor. It's faster and more intense. You wonder That's why. That's good direction. You wonder why the prequels didn't end up good. During this package, we do get the Batman music, which I forget if we got it last year at Starcade or just got it in general. What do you mean by the Batman music? Just like, it's not actually Batman music, but that like orchestral Danny Elfman style kind of like, wouldn't be out of place in a Batman. I did not really notice it. Do you remember if they had previously announced that DDP and David Flair was going to be crowbar in a pole? No, they did not. Okay. I was just like, I don't remember them saying that. But of course it was. Who's this show written by? Mr. Vince Russo. Of course it was on a pole. The powers. Powers to be. Yeah. Are we just going with that now? I feel like they're still flip-flopping. but Who cares? So I did know during this package, they're going through all the matches. All the matches do have a story. Because I feel like last year at Starcade, there were a couple like, why is Wrath facing Meng? Or, you know, something like that. Speaking of, what the fuck is Wrath? (laughs) Probably got sent back down to the power plant. Relatedly, I didn't realize that when we saw him lose that random match to Kevin Nash, mm-hmm. he had had like a year and a half long undefeated streak. Oh, shit. Like he had a long undefeated streak. There's like, nope. No, fuck you. Our main guy needs to get over more. Relatedly, he might be booking, but don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Shh. It's fine. Is fucking Jeff Jarrett booking? Because that would explain a lot. No, he's just friends with Russo. Ugh. After that video package, we get a second video package, which just kind of focuses on the powerbomb match and the title match. Yeah. They were included in the first one. But yeah, it was just like, oh, that was a good package. Oh, there's a, there's another package. Okay. Same thing? Sure. We get the opening pyro going off. We have Tony Schiavone, Bo- Bobby Heenan, and Scott Hudson on commentary. Kind of a random choice for a third there. Yeah, where did he come from? He's been around. I think we actually saw him on a couple episodes where Tony Schiavone was gone. I think he got attacked by one of the Steiners. I forget which one. That but rings a vague, vague bell. They, they mention it's the 17th Starcade, and I'm like, oh, maybe that'll bode well. Maybe 17 is just a lucky number. Um, listen, this wasn't as bad as I was expecting it to be. No, I'll the, give you that. No, it is far from the worst pay-per-view of the year. But the opening pyro goes directly into our first matchup of the night. It is the Disco Inferno and Lash LaRue versus Vito and Johnny the Bull with our boy, Tony Marinara. Meatballs with the sauce. I thought that was really funny when I made that comparison. It's a little less funny now. (laughs) It's the same amount of funny to me from the first time. (laughs) It was hilarious because they're meatballs. Not so funny now. Move on. The match starts, the four start brawling. Vito starts working over Lash, including a big delay to vertical suplex. Like, Vito's able to go a bit. He is the Italian karate kid, as I've dubbed him. <laughs> yes, because after that, he hits his karate kick and does the karate pose. And I'm just like, this is a... It's a strange take on his moveset. Well, I'm pretty sure Ralph Macchio is Italian, for what it's worth. Yeah, I'm not saying that, but I'm just like, this guy is so intensely Italian, but he also does karate. <laughs> he does the, the two hands flicking the chin a lot. Yeah. I can only see those like the Italian fuck you. I, I think, think. I think that's what he's going for. Yeah, that's that's the vibe I got. And at this point, I just need to remind you that um, 
John of the Bull goes on to become Relic and Emily. I, I know. don't know if you're aware of this. Nick, Relic is killer spelled backwards. You you start that <laughs> sentence every time as if you're going to give me new information. I know Johnny the Bull becomes Relic and I know Relic is killer spelled backwards. I got it. I, I just want you to forget that Relic is killer spelled backwards. You must stop. <laughs> Tell that to TNA. We're not reviewing TNA. Yet. No. You must so Disco tags in. Actually, it's a decent pop. The crowd, crowd starts pretty well and is... They're ready for the show tonight, so... They, they do turn on some matches, but they I feel like the do. matches had it coming. Yeah. They're vocal. I'll give them that. They're not sitting idly by, which is, uh, like, worse, you know. I'd rather them be booing than them be silent. Disco starts on offense against Johnny the Bull. Vito illegally attacks Disco, which the ref mostly sees, but then goes to confront Lash instead. Yeah, I didn't get that. There's a lot of interesting choices with the refs during this show. We get a big boot swinging neckbreaker combo from the goons in a spot I liked. And oh, I've redubbed the goons. They are the Gabagoons. No, you wanted to call them the Gabagools and have them be like ghosts <laughs> of some sort. But then you said Gabagoons. I'm like, okay, that's a good mid mid midpoint. Again, I know they will become the Mamelukes. I just don't know what The Gabagoons. <laughs> if they can't be the meatballs and the sauce, they are the Gabagoons. Well, after that double team spot... There's a really nice spot of, they go for like a double hip toss, but catch Disco instead and turn it into like a big slam. I've I've never seen that move before. It was really powerful. Like it was just straight up power. It was good. Vito goes up to the second rope, does about 27 minutes of taunting, and then misses a dive. Like we really thought it was going to be a flying nothing. Like no, he actually went for something. Yeah, we thought that like he was going to get his leg up or something. I don't know. I mean, based on how he dove, it would have been a weird landing on the Disco, but... Yeah. Disco does a roll and then tags in Lash through. Lash cleans house, then all four men end up in the ring. Disco gets thrown to the floor and we get a big press slam from Lash from Johnny the Bull. He then goes up to the top rope. He then tries to do the, the spot where he like jumps from the mat to the top rope and slips. Yeah, and he loses like, his footing just a little. And so he's facing backwards like he's going to do a moonsault. Does like a spinning 180 leg drop, but misses and he was nowhere close to where Lash no. was. He really had a good idea in his head. But, Definitely uh, threw him off. Threw off his calibration. We get a spot of each team breaking up a pin from the other team with, with a diving move. Disco goes for a last dance on Vito and then gets turned around and accidentally hits it on Lash. Oh, no. Vito hits a big impaler DDT and the goons win. The Gabagoons, please. The Gabagoons win. Post-match, the goons theme awkwardly plays over Disco getting beat down and I'm like, is this dubbed? Or you it just... sounded dubbed. It was really yeah. loud. We couldn't hear the audience at all. It definitely felt dubbed. They put him in a body bag, and um, it, before, I guess before Tony, that, like, flump, like Tony like clumsily pulls this body bag out of his briefcase, where no one knew what the fuck was coming out of this case. Yeah, and then after he like s- seems like he's going for like a chloroform spot, but he does it so quick that it's like oh, he just like wipes a rag over over Disco's face, just like very briefly. Yeah, it looks more like he kind of like pie faces than anything. It's like, but immediately reta- retracts. Like, that's not how chloroform works. I've watched enough murder shows to know how chloroform works. You have to hold it. Emily, I've used enough chloroform on people to know that no, it takes No, I have watched CSI. I have watched Breaking Bad. I've watched Community. That too. Chloroform is a <laughs> quick a gag. Yes. It's a quick go-to gag. Literally. So the goons get him in a body bag, and then they go to roll him out of the ring. But then, like, he has to, like, stand up because they roll him out weird. And it's like, I don't want to take that bump. So yeah. he's, he's just standing vertically in the body bag. Like, oh, okay. 
This never would have happened if he hadn't turned his back on the wolf pack. They go backstage and then let Disco out of the bag for some reason. Then put him in the trunk. <laughs> they take him out of the bag to throw him in the trunk. I don't understand. So they go to leave and Tony Marinaro like guns it in reverse to start. And he's like, oh shit. And then actually leaves the arena going forward. Oh, it was bizarre. It was so dumb. I loved every second of it. This actually wasn't a bad match. It was fine. Yeah. I like the gags around it better. Yeah, it, it's still a weird feud. Remember, this whole thing is over um, Disco Inferno owing Tony Mariner's dad $25,000. Which feels like such a small amount of money in 2023. And again, like, how much do you get paid to wrestle? Not a lot. And it was because he bet on Duke to win the uh, March Madness tournament. Is that really why? Yes. Oh, wow. They brought this up. On commentary? No, no, no. I, th- or I forget now. I think Tony Marinara brought up on commentary, but we had a little chat about it on here because we, we looked and Duke came in second. Oh, we did. You're right. Because I, like, I remember thinking, like, yeah, I would have bet on Duke. Duke's a big basketball school. I would I would bet on them. No, but I thought this was a passable match, which may say more about our standards than yes. anything. Post-match, we get commentary formally checking in because we actually hadn't seen them yet. And I'm like, okay, good. That is Scott Hudson. I'm not crazy. Did you like guess it was Scott Hudson's voice? Yes. Oh, sure. They say that Scott Hall has been stripped of the U.S. title because he's not able to compete tonight. I think they said a knee injury, which knee I'm hoping injury, yeah. is legit. They they harped on it again later on in the show. I Something tells me with how how hard they're hitting. It's a knee injury. Is like Knee injury means rehab. And they're trying to make you not think of the word rehab by saying knee injury a lot. Well, I find it interesting that he got stripped of the U.S. title, but him and Nash are still the tag team champions. Oh, that is interesting. I didn't think about that. So... Anyway, Benoit is just now the champ. They're like, yep, we're just going to give it to him. I'm like, that's kind of lame. And Chris Benoit then comes out and says, yeah, that's pretty fucking lame. <laughs> Title should be won. And he came to DC tonight to kick some ass and offers an open challenge ladder match later tonight for the US title. I came to kick some ass and chew bubblegum. I'm all out of bubblegum. No, Roddy Piper does not uh, accept. Let's go from there to the cruiserweight title match. It is Medusa versus Evan Courageous with Spice. Spicy. She's looking good. Looks very cute. Start of the match, Evan Courageous kisses Spice, so Medusa dives from the apron onto him. Medusa then dares Evan Courageous to hit her, and... uh, He does. Boy, does he. Woof. I mean, like, I... Okay. I don't want to say that I'm an advocate for male-on-female violence. I'm not. I'm an advocate for equality. In the ring, if you want to be a wrestler and you want to go against men, like, Medusa is... Medusa chose this match. Like, she... She wanted this match. I don't know. I don't. Shouldn't you really go about it in the most? uh... I mean, no, but she wanted this match. I think that if you're going to have men and women in the ring together, they should not be pandered to, you know, like women should be treated the same as men in the ring. Yeah. Especially when you have women like Asia and Midnight and Medusa who want to go. Like if fucking Stacey Keebler was in there. Yeah. Maybe don't hit her too hard. She might snap. The one weird element of this as well is that like, depending on what day it is, punches are like kind of frowned upon. That's the thing in wrestling. You're not supposed to punch. You can do the open hand punch. Yeah. Oh, he, he was closed for his, like, clocker. Like, oh, right. did he actually clocker? Yeah. I thought it was an open hand thingy. So Evan Craig just hits a power slam and then misses a lion salt by about six feet. Medusa hits a spin kick and then a diving drop kick. We get a pop-up sit-out powerbomb from Evan Courageous. And uh, he goes for, like, a roll-over pin. And the spot is supposed to be Medusa bridges out of the pin. The referee has to pretend that, uh, no, she kicked out because she takes a minute. And we've talked, that is difficult to do. It is. It takes a lot of core strength 
And they had already been going for a while. Evan's a bit heavier than her, I would assume. They're both pretty muscular, so I would assume that he is. I don't know yeah. for sure, though. That's a hard spot. She didn't quite get there. No. Didn't help. At a certain point, she was like, I need to kick out. And it started like, kind of flailing to like, yeah, get her shoulders the, up. Yeah, the ref was still counting, and yeah. she needed to bridge out, but she couldn't. Medusa then goes to hit a powerbomb on Evan Courageous. And, oh. um, oh, buddy, good on him. He saves himself. He does. He's really lucky not to have a broken neck. Yeah, because she basically is about to drop him on his neck, and he kind of gets his hands down to like kind of like smooth out his landing. Yeah. Like, she did not protect him at all on that. He saved himself. Yeah, it was pretty scary. But that's when the boring chants started. Then Spice gets up on the apron for some reason and um, starts distracting Evan Courageous with how with adorable her feminine she is. While. She is quite adorable. It's very distracting. Medusa hits Evan Courageous from behind, and Spice hits, I think, the record for the worst low blow in the history of wrestling. Worst because she, like, punched him square in the dick barely she like lightly sack taps him to use oh, the, you it know harder to me oh she she misses for the most part no, she didn't miss. well the way you're supposed to do it is the th- through the full well, legs yeah she didn't i just she, she was, was just like, like square punch in the dick eh. well, she kind of did like the, the backhand flick oh. it was not good we then get a german suplex from medusa she gets the pin and we have a new cruiserweight champion and she and spice leave together i guess I don't know when Spice started being on her side. I guess they're a team now. I guess. Hashtag girl gang. This is a pretty rough match. Girls rule, boys rule. Whatever major loser. Thoughts on the quality of the match and not just Gaslight, men in general. Gatekeep, girl boss. <laughs> no, I have no. It was fine. It was a match. I like seeing women in the ring. I like it. So I'm happy that Medusa actually got a match where she could like show some of her, you know, strength. Granted, like, it didn't come off all that great when she couldn't do a powerbomb and she couldn't bridge out of a suplex. But, like, it was still not the worst. Yeah, because Evan Courageous, I mean, he's not a big dude. He's so. not. I have no idea how long she goes on to hold this for. So, we will, uh, we'll see. Knowing WCW, she'll be stripped of it on Monday. I think it just unlocked a bad memory in my brain. <laughs> we'll see if I'm right or not. But I, I just, I just gotta, <laughs> you know, the, you know the scene in, in the first Star Wars where Obi-Wan's like, I feel a great disturbance in the force. Yeah. I think I just had that moment, and I think I might know how and who she loses it to. And Does she like, drop it in the trash can? No. <laughs> She's not chimichucking in the bin. Chimichuck it in the bin, like. Let's move on. Our next match is Meng versus Norman Smiley for the hardcore title, but in a thing we get a lot today during this show, we get a Mean Gene or Mike Today interview with one of the competitors. Here we get Mean Gene interviewing Norman Smiley. He is wearing a Washington redacted jersey. We love the Washington football team. Go sports. So we said nothing's really been happening with in the world of wrestling. Dan Snyder continues to be a piece of shit in the world of football. What did he do now? There's some questionable thing. of He charged like four and a half million dollars to have a logo put on his private jet. And it looks like a fucking sticker. Oh, good. And everyone's like, where did that money go? Definitely not to the stadium. Nope. So Norman says he's cautious, he's not scared, and then yelps as a producer walks by. And Gene, <laughs> con- Gene confirms that he did indeed soil his pants. It was such a funny moment. However, I, d- I think that was ad-libbed because he's wearing the away jersey, so it's all white. It's not anything there. It was on, the, it was on his pants, not his jersey. Yeah, but it was white pants, too. We didn't look at his butt. We see his butt during the, during the match. During the match. Yeah. He could have changed his pants. It's a plot hole, Emily. 
He could have changed. He it. enters in like 30 he, seconds. That could have been pre-taped. Anyway, let's go to the actual match of Meng versus Norman Smiley. Hardcore title. Norman starts throwing weapons in the ring. So Meng just takes the fight outside and hits some trash can shots. They go backstage and Norman hits trash can shots, but it has no effect. Much like using Draco Meteor on Iron Valiant. I actually thought you were going to make a Harry Potter reference there when you said Draco. Meng keeps working over Norman, who screams throughout. They didn't brawl through catering, which it was a lower tier camera. So I thought it was like pre-taped, but I think it was just like a fake catering area. Because there was like no food. No one was there. Norman gets slammed through a table, which breaks on a delay. (laughs) Norman then gets scared and just like throws himself through some pipe and drape. Which confused Meng. I remember like Meng looking at him and like, okay. I think he did it to hide because he did it to hide, yeah. Because he sees what happens next, which is Finley and Nobbs come in and start attacking Meng. But still, it was like Norman. Buddy. Yeah, Nobbs got a haircut, and commentary's like, I, I don't know if that's Brian Hobbs. It is. Oh, it's a terrible haircut. Did you see yeah. what it was? Barely. Frosted tips. He. The problem is, he always kind of had that. I think the hair was longer, so you didn't see the roots. So it wasn't as obvious. Yeah. They attack Meng with a bunch of weapon shots. They knock out Meng, and Norman kind of sneaks back, pins him, sprints away immediately, and Meng tongue and death grips Nick Patrick. Sure. Nick Patrick, that's what you get for just fully lying about Stargate 97 for the last 25 years. What is he lying about? He said, oh, I don't know what Hulk Hogan did. And then Eric Bischoff recently was like, oh yeah, he changed it. Oh, that's what you're talking about. That's what you get, Nick Patrick. By the way, Nick Patrick appears later in the show. So I, I figured that was like, oh, well, he's done for the night. Like, no, he's fine. Put it over now. He's fine. He might do the next match for all I he remember. He might. I don't keep track of the refs. There are like three refs. This wasn't as fun as I wanted it to be. No. Norman has kind of lost his uh, luster. Like this gimmick, I guess. A little. I mean, they're not doing a ton with it. He just... I wish they did something more than him just coming out in the like the town that they're in's football team. That uniform. I wish like... I remember when he was a knight? That was great. Again, I'll go back to that. Emily, he was not the knight. Remember when Jimmy Hart was the knight? That was great. <laughs> yes, there you go. We haven't seen Jimmy Hart in a while. We go backstage. David Flair receives a gift. It's a golden crowbar. Cool. I'm sure that won't come up again later. Yeah, this is not the crowbar for the match later either. I thought that it was. We then get Oklahoma and Dr. Death chatting, I guess. Didn't really make much of this. We cut away to commentary and then cut backstage again to see... The Misfits have abducted Oklahoma. I said kidnapped, but... You abducted. Know, six in one half dozen later. Abducted is a better word. And I thought that match should be next, but no. Instead, we go to The Revolution versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan and three mystery partners. I I don't know who I thought this was going to be, but... Um, I was expecting it to be like Arn Anderson and those people, but they just got written out last week. Oh, yeah. They, they didn't turn up at all. No. Well, they got written out. They shouldn't. We get a video package of this match. Then we go to an interview with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Doesn't really say much. He just says his partners are three true blue Americans and then... Ho. Ho. And his partners are the Varsity Club. I don't know anything about the Varsity Club, if I'm being fully honest here. Okay. But the Varsity Club includes Mike Rotunda, a.k.a. IRS, a.k.a. Bray Wyatt's dad. Thank you. Kevin Sullivan. Sullivan, my son! And Rick Steiner. My boy! <laughs> who feels the most out of place in I know, but I think Rick this. Steiner's just the kind of guy that's like, I'm just here to have a good time. They also have a sexy woman with them. We do not get her name. Pretty sure it was a Nitro Girl. But you are incorrect. Cute. Not really? a Nitro Girl. I could have sworn that was one of the Nitro Girls. No. She goes on to get the name Leia Meow. Oh, no. She was in ECW. Peak Paul Heyman here. Oh, no. Her name was Kimona Wanalea. 
guess she's Asian. <laughs> her most famous thing in ECW was Tommy Dreamer's either girlfriend or wife at the time, I forget where they were, was having an affair. And Shane Douglas found out, it's like, no, it's not Raven, because he thought it was. And it was actually Kimona. I think the two women start making... That's hot. Yeah. And Tommy Dreamer has the line, I'm hardcore. I'll take them both. Oh, my God. Which is not the first time we've referenced that in the podcast, but the first time... Kimona (laughs) Wanalea. Paul. Telling the ECW did not advance the cause for women in wrestling. This is on par with J.K. Rowling naming her only Asian character Cho Chang. <laughs> I don't think I've really thought about that. Before. You haven't? Oh, baby, get on Harry Potter Discourse TikTok. <laughs> or Reddit or Tumblr or anything from the years 2000 on. Yeah, so Leia Meow. Leia Meow. Okay. I hate it. I'm trying to see if there's any wordplay with that that I'm missing. She's Kitty. Is this a play on Miss Kitty? Maybe, but I don't think so. Hmm. Actually, shit, within the last um, two weeks, she would have taken her tits out at Armageddon. Where WWE was like, we didn't plan this. We just happened to have Sergeant Slaughter standing three feet away with a towel when she ripped her top off. Totally coincidental. Yeah. Who could have seen it coming? I don't know, maybe. I have no idea how long she's here for, by the way. (laughs) Shane Douglas hops on commentary for this match, so I assumed it was just now a handicap match, but he technically is a legal man, but we'll get to that later. Real basic action. Uh, Hacksaw starts this match, and um, he does not tag out at any point. No. He refused to. To the point where I was like, why did we even bring the varsity club in? Yeah. Like, <laughs> They actually did end up getting physical, but I'm like, I'm like, are none of these men cleared? <laughs> yeah, did they not pass a physical? Yeah, because I'm like, okay, I thought Rick Steiner was injured, so maybe he's not cleared. Mm. Mike Rotunda and Kevin Sullivan haven't wrestled in so damn long. I'm like, Kevin Sullivan looks old yeah he's not looking great (laughs) i never thought i'd say this before but the mullet really de-aged him (laughs) that's a sentence we get a couple three-point stands clotheslines from hacksaw but dean breaks up a pin this is where commentary starts actually noting that duggan's not tagging out and the match gets real sloppy revolution work over duggan so the varsity club run in and really mostly beat down asia for some reason women can't wrestle then they help up hacksaw and then beat him down. Yeah, this is where I'm like, what? I thought that I, like, missed something. Nope. We even, like, I think we stopped the show. I was like, wait, why? What happened? I'm like, like exactly what you saw happened. Nothing additional. <laughs> what the fuck? They just turned on him, beat him down. Didn't help that as they were beating him down, they were still attacking the revolution to yeah, keep so him I out of the ring. I couldn't tell if these guys had turned on Hacksaw to join the revolution or if they were going into business for themselves, brother. Business for themselves, I guess. <laughs> But I don't know why. I don't get why. So, yeah, I don't get it either. It's stupid. They lay out Hacksaw. Shane Douglas runs in from commentary, pins Hacksaw, and announces that tomorrow night, Duggan will have to denounce his stinking country and his stinking citizenship. What a stinking loser. What a stinking match. God. This match stunk. It was really bad. I was very angry after watching this. My last note for this match is stupid, bad, angry. Yeah, weird mystery partners. Until they announced that they were going to be in a match, I assumed Harlem Heat would be the partners. I yeah. I would you call them blue-blooded Americans? Yeah, they're from America. But actually, like, actually, um, I just found out Midnight, I believe, is from Jamaica. Okay, that is not America. No, but the other two are. So yeah, Duggan will have to uh, denounce his country tomorrow. America sucks. Something tells me he's just going to clean house on the revolution and not do it. 
That's my guess for tomorrow night. That's probably not a bad guess. Then you get Mean Gene interviewing the Misfits. They have Oklahoma in a shark cage just to make sure he keeps his word because if Oklahoma loses the match later, actually coming up next, Vampiro will get five minutes in the ring with Oklahoma. Yeah, but they never specify when that five minutes starts. Well, we'll get to that. She's okay. also stupid, bad, angry. Yeah, so let's go to Vampiro versus Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Vampiro wins. He gets five minutes with Oklahoma. Misfits bring the shark cage out to ringside, and then they, they, they like lift it off the furniture dolly it's on. I really thought they were like going to try to lift it into the ring for some reason. I'm like, guys, Jesus. Yeah, I know you're strong, but please. Oklahoma's doing commentary from the cage and is real annoying. It's so annoying. When Dr. Death comes out, Vampira dives off the shark cage onto him in a nice little spot to start. The two brawl around ringside. We get a lot of plotting action from, from during this match. We're like two minutes in, and I swear Dr. Death looks gassed. You're probably right. Like this guy, this is one of those guys that probably doesn't like work on his cardio. He just works on his like strength in the gym. He does a move which can look good, but not the way he's doing it. Where it's like the shoulder tackle to the knee, where your opponent like flips. Oh yeah. But I don't know. It just it didn't look tight enough. So I was just like mm. something's happening here. I will give this match credit. Like, well, it's nothing special technically. I I thought it had good energy. I thought it was kind of fun to watch. Like the energy was good. The wrestling was bad, but. That's fine. We'll have to agree to disagree on this one. Get a back suplex, Dr. Death. Vampiro goes up top, gets caught. Scary top rope, belly to belly from Dr. Death. I thought he was going to drop Vampiro to his neck from the top rope. Thank God he didn't because Vampiro is looking good. Yeah. You you want to tackle that together? Nope. Emily was uh, in a certain mood last night. She was like, yeah, Vampiro is looking good. I'm like, now? (laughs) I told Nick to ask me if Vampira was a hunk, and he wouldn't. The Misfits then come in the ring and attack Steve Williams, and Williams fights him off. Oklahoma on commentary calls for a DQ, and I'm like, you're not wrong. No, and even commentary kind of points out, like, yeah, this should be a DQ. You're right. But it's not. Because why would it be? We get a spinning kick from Vampiro. Dr. Death gains the advantage, climbs on top of Vampiro, and hits a bunch of punches. Bunch of punch. (laughs) He refuses to stop, attacks Charles Robinson twice. So Charles Robinson disqualifies him and Vampiro wins by DQ. But Vampiro is still like laid out in the ring, like pretty yes. much unresponsive. But the five minutes has begun. Yes. Dr. Death keeps beating down Vampiro and like his security starts escorting him out. They're like, yep, the five minutes has started. And Oklahoma is saying, well, like, oh, Vampiro's laid out. I'll go fight him. And the person who has the key to the shark cage is the head of security, Doug Dillinger. Doug Dillinger is busy escorting Steve Williams out, and I guess forgets he has the key, because it takes a fucking while. Yeah, like two and a half of these five minutes. I, I would say five minutes for how long a goddamn takes. By the way, according to Wikipedia, this next match lasts 5.02. I don't know when the hell it claims the bell starts for that. Oh, jeez. We really should have timed it ourselves. We should have, you're right. You know, for a match that's supposed to go five minutes, I'm pretty sure it went less. Well, I missed the part where that's my problem. Oklahoma gets in the ring, hits, hits a kick and a jumping DDT. And then does the Randy Orton stomp. It's just bad. He calls the Oklahoma stomp over and over again. Yeah. I'm pretty sure this is actually like popularized by uh, by Jimmy Garvin. Vampiro gets up and slaps Oklahoma, who bails, but the Misfits throw him back in. Get a Uranagi from Vampiro. Misfits all attack Oklahoma. The crowd has turned on this about four times already throughout yeah, the whole segment. I, can, I can't believe you still have notes. Uh, nail in the coffin. Pin. Awful. Yeah. And again... This wasn't that cathartic because we saw Sid beat up Oklahoma on on Nitro. Yeah, this was kind of useless. <sighs> Emily, can I bring you some joy? 
Please. This is the last Steve Williams match we will have to watch on the podcast. Okay. Does he go to, like, Thunder? He goes back to Japan. He's oh, he's good. This is the last WWE match, period. Are we done with, are we done with Oklahoma, though? I didn't think so. We got a little bit more with him. But I would not rather. Much. I'd rather keep Steve Williams and get rid of Oklahoma. Oklahoma, we have I think one more month. A month? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Oh. Oh, like him and Vince, Vince Russo get like he's not fired, but get told to go home together. Oh, right off into the sunset together. So let's move on. We go to the room. So Kurt Henning is asking for some advice, just like anything we should know before we go out there. And Vincer's like, ah, I'm, I'm real distracted, guys. Something big is going down tonight. Was this? Yep. Oh, Jesus. This is him telegraphing the main event. Yep. I was wondering, why What's why is he distracted? This is the only time we go to the room so tonight. We're going to get Mike today interviewing Harlem Heat before their match. And the short version of this is, Stevie Ray does not like midnight. And he's like, I'm not watching your back tonight, Booker. And he's out of the match. Supposedly. They can get Kurt Hennig and Creative Control with Shane versus Booker T and Midnight. And I'm like, all right, I'm ready for Booker to do a three-on-one match here. But that actually wasn't the case. We get a spin kick to Patrick and then Gerald tags in. I'm just going to start calling them whatever. <laughs> I was going to say, did you figure no, out which just, was which? Just, so you agree they're not identical. I don't know which one's which, but I'm tired of writing one of Creative Control, <laughs> the other of Creative Control. So fuck it. Okay. Spin kick to Patrick. Gerald tags in, works over Booker until a flying forearm and two arm drags. And Midnight tags in. We noted she learned how to do an arm wrench this week. She did. Uh, she got a new skill in her repertoire. The heels cheat, gain the advantage. They beat down Booker until he hits a scissor kick and tags in Midnight again. She cleans house, including a drop kick, and then gets worked over outside after a big clothesline to the floor by Hennig. It looked rough. It did. She like does get hit pretty hard. Like, when she's in the ring in general, like, she does take some hard hits. Which is funny, because I remember when she was, I think it was when she was wrestling Asia, we were noting, like, oh, God, she looks like she wants to die because of these bumps. That's what I'm saying. She's gotten better. They do the ref misses the tag spot, and uh, Stevie Ray then comes out. He doesn't get on the apron. He's just kind of lurking around ringside. But you don't see him come out until he is ringside. Like, they don't do the ramp entrance for him. Creative Control work over midnight, but Gerald misses a flopping leg drop. It looked real bad. Yeah. Booker gets the hot tag, cleans house. Kurt Hennig comes in with brass knuckles right in front of the ref. But didn't see it. Obviously. No, the ref catches it and then just decides. It's just fine with uh, it. Nah, whatever. Hey, don't you be doing that. Patrick pi- Patrick pins Booker as Stevie Ray and Midnight argue on the outside. Ugh, I, I, need, I need Harlem Heat to break up. Yeah. I will say that like Booker and Midnight do work well together. Yeah. I thought so. I thought they had good in-ring chemistry. Yeah, I'll put it this way. Midnight did not tag in and then immediately tag out four seconds exactly. later. Exactly. So. She actually, like, tried. So there's some points there. Yeah. But. She took bumps. She tried. That's all I need. I know the night is dark is just before the dawn for Booker uh, going forward. So, unfortunately, I think we have some bad Booker T stuff coming up before he uh, starts winning some titles. Ugh. Or in a short version, I think the second half of 2000 can be a lot better for Booker T than the first half of 2000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go to our next match. By the way, I don't think we actually noted that. I think we have 13 matches tonight. They mentioned it on um, Nitro last week. So I was mentally prepared. But I think they didn't count the Oklahoma match. No, because I think they said 12. Yeah, so this is match number eight. It is Jeff Jarrett. We are already eight matches in. Oh, my God. 
It is Jeff Jarrett versus Dustin Rhodes in a bunkhouse brawl. And again, we get a promo package for this. A lot of promo packages tonight. Yeah, almost too many. We get Mike Tanay interviewing Dustin Rhodes. Dustin doesn't say much or anything before he gets blindsided by Jeff Jarrett. Calls out WCW for firing his dad before he comes on. But, you know. Oh, relatedly, in terms of Dusty. Just because it recently came up in a Cody Rhodes promo. In this point in, in 1999, Dusty would have just made an appearance in ECW. Oh. Yeah, it was like a one or two off appearance and just oh, like okay. helped Dusty out mentally. Okay. And financially. There was a promo with Cody Rhodes and Paul Heyman on Raw where it came up and I was like, oh, that just happened. Interesting. Kind of interesting that Paul Heyman's all talking about ECW again. You're acknowledging it. My tribal It's team. dead and I wish the same for Sami Zayn. ECW is dead. Never booed harder at a show. See, well, the thing is he doesn't own it anymore. Stephanie McMahon does. <laughs> so there's a chance it could come back. As she doesn't all, work for WWE anymore. As an all-women brand. Yes. What a extreme term that would be. championship women. I invented women. I created them extreme in my own image. <laughs> the Jared attacks Dustin mid-interview. Backstage, he throws Dustin into the broken table from earlier. And I'm like, continuity. Yes, they did not fix the table. <laughs> they emerge on the stage and the bell rings. There's a wheelbarrow right by the like main entrance. Oh, my God. Jarrett runs a wheelbarrow into Dustin's knee and then puts him in it and throws it into the barricade. Dustin gets out and then scoop slams Jarrett like tailbone first into the wheelbarrow. Both of us were like, oh, that God. That cannot have felt good. <laughs> we don't really enjoy Jeff Jarrett that much, but Jesus. My God. And we also had to hear, what are Jeff Jarrett's pants? Pant capes. He has... He's like, wearing pant capes. He has like tassel chaps. They're not tassel enough to be tassel chaps. It's just like flaps of the front of of jeans that just flop around. They're pancakes. Well, he takes them off at some point. Yeah, but I don't think I I wouldn't call it like a like a chap. Yeah, it's not enough material for a chap. But I'm just no. Like, Dustin brings a rope with a cowbell in the ring and hits Jarrett with the bell. He doesn't so much to where the cowbell shot doesn't feel special. Like yeah, no. I've watched matches where one of those happens and it's like oh, oh Jesus over. yeah. yeah. Here, she's like, nope, over and over again. Dustin throws powder into Jeff Jarrett's face. Pocket sand. How dare you call it powder? Sorry, freedom powder if you're a Hulk Hogan. Pocket sand. Dustin hits Jarrett with the rope and then for some reason duct tapes the referee to the ropes. It's <laughs> so the ref won't stop the match, but I feel like you weren't that close to it. But there was a funny moment when he was duct taping the ref. Because, like, he has to put the ref, like, against the ropes. So yeah. he has, like, each hand on the adjacent ropes. So while Dustin is, um, is like, duct taping, say, the right hand, the left hand is available <laughs> to be stopping this. No, it's on but the But the ref is like, oh, sorry. man, no, stop. What are you doing? Like, his hand is, like, still gripping the rope. I'm like, I mean, use your hands. At the same time, we can, just, we can just address Dustin Rhodes' shattered dreams move where it's like, I've put your legs on the outside of the ropes. Now you can't move. So You're stuck he, here forever. He has different rules in terms of rope physics. According to him, ropes are just like eternal prisons. If you touch a rope, you're stuck there forever. Dustin keeps punching and whipping Jeff Jarrett. Jarrett low blows Dustin and Kurt Henning runs out. And, you know, what what a heel. He saves the ref from being tied up. Yeah, he like unduct tapes the ref. What a jerk. Jared chokes out Dustin and then 
in the wheelbarrow originally there was it wasn't quite two by fours but it was just some like some like, thin piece length, of wood it was the length of a kendo stick but not a kendo stick no it was just a really thin piece of it wood it was like before a kendo stick becomes a kendo stick it was like a half by three yeah but these things break like fucking toothpicks and when they break they go flying into the oh my god yeah crowd. shards of wood yeah, are just flying jared smashes it over dustin's back and it's like the, the other half vanishes mm. from view I'm complaining that I got a tiny little splinter today. Imagine being in the front row of that show. Getting clocked in the head by I half th- of a 2 I think that went way past the front row. <laughs> Unrelated. Did I ever show you the clip of uh, Brock Lesnar throwing a car door into the stands? God, no. <laughs> and the crowd chants, that's a lawsuit. You That sounds familiar. You may have showed, showed that to me. Because why the fuck would you throw a car door? Because it's Brock Lesnar. You're dumbass. You excited to watch him face Omos at WrestleMania, Emily? Ask me another question. He accepted. I everyone's like, oh, there's gonna be an angle. No. Why is this a match at WrestleMania? All right, over under ninety seconds. I think we should like drink the entire length of the match, like drink, like chug a beer as long as the match goes. Let's go back to the bunkhouse brawl. Must we? We get a sleeper to Dustin, and we get the longest three arm drop spot oh ever. Oh my god! Can you were milking yeah, describe this it? shit. So he had him in the sleeper and the ref came over to like do the arm drop. So Charles Robinson holds his arm up. No, it was Charles. I think so. No, it was not. Because Charles, he, he, he didn't get tied up. It was like Johnny Moon or somebody. Oh. Well, the entire time since I've said Charles Robinson to just now, that's how long the arm was held up. And then he dropped it. And they did that twice. And then on the third time, I swear to God, he held it longer. Yeah, it didn't feel like it. It was so and The arm goes like all long. the way down. And then Dustin like picks his arm up and gives goes, the finger. <laughs> Which was a good moment. Like the arm drop to the fuck you. Like it was pretty cool. It was a good moment. But it was just so long. Why were they milking it for so long? It was long enough for me to watch and be like, okay, guys, drop the arm. Uh, he's out. And saying the full sentence. And they still hadn't dropped the arm. Like what the fuck, guys? So Dustin powers up, and then Jarrett locks in an immediate additional sleeper. I did think it was interesting that when um, Dustin powered up and he tried to, like, call on the audience for help, the audience didn't really increase their volume at all. No. <laughs> a little sad. We get a belly-to-back slam to Jarrett. Dustin hits a slam, but Hennig breaks up a pin twice. Jarrett has a pin on Dustin, and in a spot that happens a couple times a night, Dustin just kicks out late. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, he had him. The ref is just like, what the fuck are you doing, man? You're killing me. Yeah, so the ref has to pretend again. Like, no, he kicked out. Dustin sets up Jared for Shattered Dreams and, like, actually hits it. I was just expecting something else to happen. But Kurt Henning pulls the ref out of the ring before he's able to count for three. Dustin then sets Henning up for Shattered Dreams and hits it as well. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. Double Shattered Dreams. Works great. What? Jared and Dustin start brawling up the ramp again. They go to, like, the entrance trussing. Dustin starts to climb it and then just decides, never mind. Yeah, and commentary was like, oh, this is so dangerous and this is going to hold up all the lights. I was like, oh, cool, we're going to do a thing. He just jumps to the top and then jumps off. Which, it wasn't seen by a lot of people, but that indie wrestling show where the lighting rig fell. I was having flashbacks to that Oh, when my God, climbing. yeah. That was great, though. Yeah. By the way, all the theater people who've seen that are like, well, yeah, they didn't set up the fucking yeah, lifts no right. Kidding. Like, like the, the, the feet are still up. It's a tragedy that it happened, but it's not unknown. Well, well somebody like, pointed it's, it's out. It's unheard of. Somebody pointed out that it's like, yeah, the, the ref should be happy they were using LED fixtures. Because if those were, you know. If those were can lights, someone would have died. Well, they got severely burned. I don't mm-hmm. know if they would have died. 
I just think of the, one of those hitting you in the head. Just mm. So, yeah, Jared... So, I guess Dustin decides, oh, this is very dangerous, because he goes, never mind, and just climbs back down. <laughs> he just, like, very safely just jumps down. Like, never mind. Dustin hits a running bulldog onto Kurt Hennig, and then Jared climbs the ladder on the stage that's there for the Benoit match later, hits a diving guitar shot, and gets the win. So, my question, which I ask again later in my notes... What is WCW's guitar budget? And is that why they went out of business? Is that why the company went bankrupt? Emily, this man, Emily, to quote Mike Graham, he broke a thousand guitars, never drew a dime. <laughs> I feel like you're, you're, you're realizing that in real time. <laughs> the way you said that was really funny. He does, he does the head shake every time. You can't, you can't say it without doing the head shake. But he broke so many guitars. I swear he broke like 10 guitars in this show. Well, are you forgetting the one uh, the one cage match where he came out with the bin the of guitars? The barrel guitar? of guitars, yes. That's why I'm asking, is this why they went bankrupt? Guitars aren't cheap, even if they're shitty guitars. Thoughts on this match? I actually didn't hate it. It was a mixed bag for me. I found it entertaining. I think as much as we shit on him, and we'll have another moment actually coming up where we praise somebody else we kind of shit on a lot, I think this was carried by Jeff Jarrett. No, I disagree. Oh, I'm so not it. I was way more into Jarrett than I am when I was into, into Dustin in this oh, match. Oh, I'm going to disagree. I was way more into Dustin than I was Jeff Jarrett. I can't get behind Jeff Jarrett. He's such a douchebag. I don't know. I just, I, I don't care about Dustin's story. It's the same fucking story as Cody Rhodes and everybody's behind him. Yeah, Cody's more charismatic. You can't say you're not behind the story. It's the same story that's pushing the biggest guy in WWE right now. Oh, no, actually, it's, it's different stories. Cody wants it's to be the, the top of the industry. Story. Dustin's is like, you fired my dad. Your dad actually quit. You fired my dad. <laughs> you hurt my dad's feelings. Also, I used to be gold dust and gold dust sucked. He's mad that he keeps getting fucked over in the industry. He, he was gold dust. He was seven. He fired his dad. Like, he needs to catch a break. And he's like, fuck it. I can't do it. Like, stop fucking me over. Well, you're also somebody who is not into Cody Rhodes. No. I will never, until he gets the neck tattoo removed, I will not be a Cody Rhodes fan. I I I heard something the other day to where the stencil for it was like half the size of the tattoo. He was like, wait, what? Which means they put the stencil on and Cody was like, I like it, but bigger. Let's go backstage. David Flair is attacking his teddy bear with, with the golden crowbar. This man's found his niche. I don't know. And then we go to his match. It is Diamond Dallas Page versus David Flair. Crowbar on a pole match. But this is the moment that we're, that I realized that it was crowbar on a pole. I know they said it in the very beginning, but when they said crowbar on a pole, I'm like, of fucking course it's a crowbar on a pole. Where else would you put the crowbar? <laughs> we got a promo package and then Mean Gene interviewing DDP. And DDP's like, yeah, David Flair has problems. I'm one of them. <laughs> Even Gene's like, no, now DDP, he's going through a rough time. He's not all his screws are not not tight in his head. DDP's like, yeah, I know, but he's a piece of shit. I'm gonna DDP I'm gonna teach him basically what's up. saying your mental illness does not excuse your behavior. Yes, we love that. Being mentally ill is not an excuse to be an asshole. So, D- so DDP comes out. David sneaks through the crowd, attacks DDP from behind with the crowbar. The bell rings mid attack. I'm like, oh, okay, doesn't seem fair to me. He doesn't attack him that much. No, he hits him like once. Yeah, DDP is then dying on the floor. So Charles Robinson then takes the crowbar away from David Flair. And is like, your dad raised you better than this. <laughs> I am the son your father wishes he had. Charles Robinson then is like, well, DDP is dead. He can't perform. Match over. Yeah, match is over. 
So Dave Penzer goes to announce it, and DDP, DDP grabs, is like absolutely. He grabs the mic. He's like, no, I'm going to kick this kid's ass. How dare you? Yeah, DDP refuses, gets in the ring, bell rings, and David starts beating down DDP. Like, work it over the ribs. Isaac gets a lot of offense here. And you know what? He didn't look bad. No, he really didn't. He's ab- he's definitely been practicing. Like, he has been in the practice center. DDP tries to lift David Flair for a scoop slam, but his ribs won't let him, and David falls on top of him. David hits a DDT, but only gets a two, and he starts screaming at Charles Robinson that it should have been three. Hmm? David just keeps the advantage on DDP and keeps getting upset at various two counts. Discus clothesline from DDP and both men are down. David hits a low blow and looks to the crowbar, but instead locks in a figure four. DDP reverses the pressure, but David manages to get to the ropes and gets out of it. David climbs up, gets the crowbar, swings at DDP, but DDP ducks. David turns into a diamond cutter and DDP gets the win. I think they two bits of offense, but... Good match. It was really good. I, I'm not even going to lie. This is probably like my favorite match on the card. Yeah, I think I cite this as DDP being somebody to write the whole match down. They might have been practicing this during the week for all we know. They may have, and that might be why David looked so good. Yeah, it paid off. Yeah. It told a good story. The way this match was booked, and some of the booking kind of lately, is like, are you trying to turn DDP back face? Are you testing the waters for that? Maybe. Because this is a face performance. A guy who gets attacked before the bell decides, no, I'm doing the match, oh, and then overcomes the adversity, even if, even if the adversity is a lesser wrestler. It's still adversity. Post-match, DDP hits a top rope diamond cutter to David Flair, and then he grabs a crowbar, and he's going to smash David right in the dick with it. You're going to tell me that he's a face? Yeah, that's the one catch to this. But then Daphne runs down... And shields David with her body. Like, remind us who Daphne is. Daphne, uh, we last saw as a crazed fan who loved David Flair as part of a Nitro party. She won the Nitro party. No, she didn't win the Nitro party. She submitted her video of her Nitro party. Oh, I think on commentary they said something about her winning something. I, th- I think if you... Maybe appe- they misspoke. Or maybe I misspoke. I mean, it might be a thing. If, if they show your Nitro party, maybe you, like, win... Maybe you won. Uh, something. I don't regardless. Know, but, but it wasn't yeah, an we, actual Nitro party. No, we talked about it at the time where it was, like... Kind of pathetic for the broadcast where it's like, this is the only Nitro party you got right. in the last couple yeah. months. But yeah. Um, she finally makes her debut. Uh, David Flair's number one fan, Daphne, is, is here. And we we noted, both of us noted this. Like They were friends as well. But God, you can see the inspiration that Nikki Cross takes from Daphne. Oh, absolutely. During this. Like, like, literally, in her she's eyes. Been, I she's been on eyes. screen for 90 seconds. And I'm like, oh yeah. It's, That's Nikki Cross. Yeah. Yeah. DDP decides to not hit Daphne with a crowbar. Like, okay, good. Then, like, half tries to hit a diamond cutter on Charles Robinson. Like, it was kind of he, vague. <laughs> he just has, like, this pent-up aggression. He's like, I gotta get it out on somebody. Someone needs to feel the bang. <laughs> but, yeah, David Flair did well in this did match. very well. Like, I'm, like, I've been saying for weeks, I like Crazy David. I think that he has found his niche. I think that he does, man, like, maniacal very well. And I think that, like, this match proves that, like, he can translate that crazy character into the ring. And it looks good and it works. And I think that if he had just stuck with it, this could have been really good for him. I know some pit stops in David Flair's journey, but I don't know the full journey itself, so. The journey into darkness. Not quite. Let's go to, um, okay, we got four matches left. Jeez, we're powering through. It is Sting with Elizabeth versus the Total Package. Okay, so... (laughs) oh no there was a video package before this and it's basically just lex and sting fighting over liz 
Can you fucking explain to me? No, why? I can't. Can you explain to me why they are fighting over Elizabeth? What is the appeal? What does she bring to either of them? Why is she here? What? Why do they want her? And why is she like this like prize? I don't. I don't get it. Help. Because she has a big contract. No, it didn't make any sense in the package. It didn't make any sense in the match. It didn't make any sense in the build up. And I don't understand why they keep. And it makes Miss less sense post match. Yes. I don't understand why they keep pushing Miss Elizabeth as this, like, I don't know, desirable manager, I guess, is what they're trying to push her as. Yeah, I think it's just left over from her managing Randy Savage yeah, in the she's, 80s. she's playing this, like, damsel in, the, in distress. Like, in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, and she was a damsel in distress in the 80s, and she's been playing that as a manager, and it really doesn't work. And she's been playing it between Lex and Sting, and it's fucking annoying. Yeah. It's 1999, girl. Get that's with my, it. That, that's my point. Is It's been 19 years. Well, it wasn't 1980 she was Could doing be. it. But Could have been. I do want to note that the stipulation for this match is that if Sting wins, Liz's contract is void with Lex Luger. Yes. Remember that. Yes. Lex comes out looking huge. So my comparison for Lex, he looks like a G.I. Joe doll, but not like a plastic G.I. Joe doll. One of those that you can like elastic stretch forever. Then like That's not a G.I. Joe doll. That Sorry. is just Stretch Armstrong. Stretch Armstrong. That's what I was trying to think of. I could not think of the name. He looks like Stretch Armstrong. I didn't quite get that. I thought he looked he looked, looked a real Jack, baby. He looks like a, a toy. Yeah. And, <laughs> he looks plastic. And you know what? He probably, he probably has the articulation of some uh, action figures as well. Potentially. They did get his lighting right this week. Yes. Thank God. And the snap pants actually all tore away in one go. So Lex attacks Sting getting in the ring. Lex stomps Sting in the corner and throws him around ringside. He slams Sting, hits some elbow drops. I'm going to power through this match so quickly. Holy crap. Yeah, it's not good. Lex hits a suplex, but Sting gets right up. And then uh, Sting and Liz just trade slaps on Lex. We then get a double clothesline. And we didn't note earlier that Sting asks, like, while they're coming out, like, do you have the mace? Like, kind of Mm, implying he gave it to her, but it's never outwardly said. Okay. Okay, like, I guess you I don't see him handed to her, but he asks about it. So He knows it exists at yeah. the very least. So Liz comes in, goes to double cross Sting with the mace, but it's not mace. It's silly string. Which was a really great Fucking visual. got him. It was a really great visual. <laughs> it, honestly, it is great for Sting because even commentary notes like, yeah, Sting gets turned on all the goddamn time. Yeah. He finally smartened up. He saw the swerve coming. So, yeah, she just sprays him with silly string and he's Fool like... Fool me once, shame on you. I fucking knew it. Yeah. It's like, you know, I didn't want to believe it, but I should have. So Liz goes back to the outside. Sting hits a diving splash and a face buster on Lex. Hits Stinger splash times two. He then goes for the scorpion deathlock. Liz gets in the ring with a baseball bat. Sting then stops and is like, don't you put the bat down. Don't you do it. Don't, don't, don't do don't, it. Don't do it. Drop it. Drop it. Drop, Drop it. What's in your mouth? <laughs> and um, so he's like, okay, get out of the ring. He then goes to put the Scorpion Deathlock on, gets it on, and Liz just smacks him f- right in the fucking face with the bat. Which, <laughs> d- as they were coming out, I went, it does look a little nerf. And I'm hoping so. Because, I hope Jesus so. Christ. I was watching this while I was eating my lunch at my desk today. And I audibly gasped to the point where my student who was sitting in front of me was like, is everything okay? Like, what happened? Like, literally nothing. The fucking sound, too, is the other thing. (laughs) I had to look at him like, nothing is wrong. I'm so sorry. 
And I was like, that's, I need to stop watching wrestling while I'm at the office. <laughs> so the, the bat shot causes a DQ. And um, Liz then puts Sting's wrist in a chair. Lex stomps it a bunch, like pilmanizing kind of move. He does not flinch. No, he, he's he's selling being knocked out, but yeah, it, it, it but comes at off what weird. Cost? It was like weird. Like, are you dead? Additionally, Lex I hits. Honestly. Additionally, Lex hits Sting's arm, like not in the chair with a baseball bat a bunch. Yes. And then, in one of our favorite moments of the night. Sting gets carried out of the ring, just like a drunk lad getting thrown out of a bar. Yeah, it was a little reminiscent of like, that. Like, he needed a stretcher. Clearly, like, I don't take too much time. They have stretchers. Why so they did, like, they did, like, two arms over two guys, and then there were, like, four guys on the legs. Yeah. Six guys carried out Sting. carried him out. I'm like, Jesus. Good Lord. <laughs> like, I, I wish Bret Hart, after getting taken out on that couch, got carried out like this. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? But why would he get carried out? He was already so comfy on the couch. He was laying on that couch the way that I lay on the couch at the end of the night. Like, he was cozy. <laughs> you did. <laughs> it was like the day after we recorded. You're like, Nick, who am I? And you're just like splayed. And I'm like, are you Bret Hart? Like, yes. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, this, this match was meh. It was more yeah. of an angle. And I don't care about the angle. No, it was stupid. Why is Liz such a hot commodity? I don't know. She's a hot tamale. Is she? Is she? Oh. She's like a mom who had a midlife crisis and got a boo job. She's 39 here, by the way. Yikes. Yeah, she, um, I, I mean, I, do, I don't think it suddenly develops in the near future. I think there is some drug issues in her life. Because literally, she, she dies in 2003. 2003? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. And we, we won't get into it here, but there's a lot of um, potential blame to point at Lex Luger. Let's just, like... Wait for the um, dark side of the think, ring on her. To I come think. Out. That, well, there is one with her and Randy Savage. I think they touch on her death a bit, but it's more. It's more about their relationship. But yeah, it's a. It's a. That's deeper than vague I and get. tragic story. Yeah, that's deeper than I want to get. Yikes! Well, let's go from a sad note to something that'll make us angry. <laughs> I assume I. We we watched the second half of the show separate. This match angered me. I don't know how much it is going to anger you. Uh-huh. It is Kevin Nash versus Sid Vicious in a powerbomb match, which you did not realize it's just first person to do a powerbomb match. Yeah, which is a dumb premise for a match. I stand by that. They did tease this. And I think I, think I kind of knew because on Nitro, I guess it was Nitro before this, they did a suplex versus powerbomb match. Yeah, and they did. Sid just did a powerbomb and immediately and that won. that was it. As, yeah. So, first person to do a powerbomb wins. We get a program. We get a promo package for this, and then uh, both men come out to the ring. Nash tells Sid to suck it right before the bell, and I did count. It took twenty three seconds to get to the corner. Wow! I actually admire the restraint. Wow, they're growing. Well, to be fair, the, the, about thirteen of those seconds was um, locking up and heading towards the corner. Yeah, and then about seven seconds of it was, are, "Am I going to go to the corner?" Yes. <laughs> But hey, restraint. They're doing great. Yeah. On Kevin Nash's entrance is when commentary was really harping on Scott Hall's, I think they said, um, knee injury. Yeah. And like the fact that they kept saying knee injury was like, I don't think it's a knee injury. I think that you're just saying that to cover it up. It's like when you're lying, you say, you, you give too many details. And that's like the tell that you're lying. I'm not saying you as a person, but just like oh, yeah, in general. 
I think that's kind of what WCW is doing. They're giving too many details. Everything I'm seeing kind of says he's injured, but also says he's, you know, back somewhat soon. So I don't know. It it may have been a case of his knees a bit banged up and they have other plans for him. So having Maybe. him in a ladder match probably isn't great for him. Okay. I mean, I will, I especially, will bite my tongue. Especially if, depending on how it was going to go, like, was he going to lose to Benoit? I don't think so. I think that they were going to give Benoit the belt because he, spoiler, he won. It's also a weird thing of, uh, with the click, you never know. It It's... Was he going to lose to Benoit? And all of a sudden, ooh, my knee. Uh, right. Hall doesn't usually do that. That's more of a Nash and Sean move, but you can't rule it out. I lost my smile. We had a sloppy clothesline Uranagi type move from Nash. I didn't know what he was going for. Nash low blows Sid when he goes for a powerbomb. And I'm like, is there a DQ in this match? I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't my come up, so. My guess is no. Nash goes for a powerbomb on the outside, but Sid pushes him off and hits a boot. They generally brawl around the outside, and it's actually this answers my question about the DQ because Sid hits one of the lightest chair shots. Lance Storm is telling you to fucking <laughs> tighten that shit up. Oh my god, he just yeah. taps him like Hogan levels. Which, yeah, like you know, I know. Take care of your fellow wrestler, but God, this was this but was lame. Because Nash sells it like death too. Is the well, problem? Of course he does. He sold the poke like death too. He's a great seller. Back in the ring, Sid hits a leg drop and punches, and then a scoop slam. Sid tries for a powerbomb chant, but it does not get going no, at all. You can literally see him going like, powerbomb. No. Like, nobody, nobody picked it up. It doesn't work. Nash gets thrown into the ref, and then Sid scarily powerbombs Kevin Nash. Yeah. He had a real hard time getting him up, but like, yeah. he kind of gets him to a point where like, okay, your back is flat, and then kind of drops him. Yeah. So admittedly, even the ref was alive, would the ref be like, do it again. <laughs> that doesn't, sh- doesn't fucking count. One more time, with feeling. Faster and more intense. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett runs down. Hits of course Sid, he does. Hits Sid with his guitar and then knocks him out. Of fucking course he does. Jarrett helps Nash up. Nash then goes for a powerbomb. But can't do it due to his injured back now. Yeah, he did sell that pretty well. The ref has been starting to get up for about four minutes <laughs> at this point. Refs are glass. Nash tries to go for the powerbomb again. And can't, can't do, do it. can't do it because his back is fucked. And every time he tries to do this, Sid just lays back down like he's dead. Yeah. Nash then just gets the referee up and goes, I did it. Ring the bell. And, and the ref's like, okay. What? In what? <sighs> Why? Why did you just go along with that? Why? Are you joking? Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, that's what I wrote. Are you fucking kidding me? What the You won't fuck? acknowledge a tag match where someone else has tagged in unless you saw it, but a power bomb match where you have to visually see a power bomb happen. You're just like, oh no, he said it happened. It's cool. I, I'm start what? I'm starting a new conspiracy theory. All refs are actually heels. Maybe. They know. They know everything and they go. Could be. At least in WCW. I they, we're gonna operate under that theory that the refs the are refs all are just the bad heels. Guys. I mean, that's what it is during the invasion. They turn the WWE refs into bad guys, so. You know, I don't remember that angle. You don't remember uh, Nick Patrick versus Earl Hebner at Invasion? <laughs> no, I really don't. What? That's a match? <laughs> it's fucking great. Wow, I blocked out so much of that time in my brain. No, that is go- that is never, that was never in my brain. I know I watched it. That was that never stopped. Like, I hate to tell you this. The more you forget about the invasion, <laughs> know, the, the more, the more I'm going to make it. you watch. Because as of right now, I just have the invasion and Survivor Series on on the docket. But 
I think as of now, the, all the pay-per-views are getting added. Oh, and God. if you keep forgetting, I'm going to make you watch the Ross. I can't do it. <laughs> I did it once. I can't do it again. No, you watched the Smackdowns. You didn't watch the Ross. No, I did not watch the Waz. You're right. The, the Waz. <laughs> I did not watch the Waz. <sighs> so, yeah, Nash wins without winning. I can't believe the ref went along with it. The one thing is, I think it was the heel ref, like legitimately heel ref from um, Nitro, the one who decided that... that Creative Control won, and Paul Orndorff was fired. It was like Johnson again. Oh, okay. So it is actually a heel ref, but, but still. But so is Charles Robinson. So maybe you're right. Maybe they Charles are Robinson all... kind of is back to neutral. He's still a heel ref in my heart. You just, you want him to be that. He's a heel. Uh, let's move on. We got two matches left, and, and we have very different feelings on this next match. It is the Chris Benoit U.S. Open Challenge. We first get Mike tonight interviewing him, and he just basically says, there's no opponent yet. I don't know who's going to be. Hey, Nick, you know I haven't seen him in a while? I'm really missing Jeff Jarrett. I haven't seen him, like, at all. Well, you're in luck, Emily, <laughs> because the challenge is accepted by Jeff Jarrett. What? Okay. I can't. <laughs> Admittedly. This is where the match lost. I didn't, I didn't put a ton of thought into this, but who else could it have been? Literally anybody else would have been better. Anybody else. The revolution didn't get a lot of screen time tonight. Could have done Dean. Oh, Could have done Perry. I, I Could have done Booker. Stevie. Bring back the black and white NWO. Fucking anyone would have been better than Jeff Jarrett. Emily, I have a, I have a tragic thought in that it would have been a great match. Hmm. You know what we haven't seen in a few weeks? They're just like, oh yeah, have him come back like this. Billy Kidman. Oh, that would been great. <laughs> God, I hope he comes back soon. I miss him. Oh, I, he wrestles on the next page. I know that. Thank God. I did write Jeff, take a night off. And Tony Schwanny agrees because he goes, Jeff Jarrett? Again? Be so fucking for real. Get off the stage. Get out! They rush to brawl on the ramp. They make it back in the ring. Benoit hits a backbreaker and then hits some chops. Hits a superplex really early on. And I'm like, wow, you didn't build that at all. Just, just went for it. All right. Benoit goes for the ladder and Jarrett baseball slides it into him. And then... Drops Benoit face first onto the ladder. Drop is putting it kindly. He just like vaults him face first into the ladder. I think this is where Benoit breaks his nose. Oh, does he break his nose in this match? He's gushing blood from his nose during this match. So I think uh, oh. this is where. Oh, okay. Jared sets up the ladder in the corner, and but then gets thrown into it twice in your favorite uh, wrestling role. He who sets it up <laughs> takes the bump. Benoit goes to climb the ladder, makes it up two steps before Jarrett catches him, and then drops him crotch first onto the top rope. This is where it loses me. Well, it lost me when Jeff Jarrett walked out, but like this, I'm I'm lost at this point. Jarrett hits Benoit with the ladder a few times, and Benoit's nose is just gushing blood. This is where the camera starts like, yeah, focusing on it. Okay, yeah. I didn't think that it was a broken nose, but you're absolutely right. It probably was. Jarrett sets up the ladder in the corner again, and then hooks Benoit onto the ladder via his leg, and then slams Benoit and the ladder like back first onto the mat. And I was like, oh, that was rough. I've, I've never seen that spot before, though. Not to be outdone. Benoit then hooks Jared to the ladder via his leg and starts climbing. But Jared manages to like tip it over using only his like leg and core strength. I thought it was pretty impressive. It was all right. However, I don't know. It was just. <sighs> however, th this is where it gets real repetitive because the two climb the ladder and trade punches. Benoit gets punched off, tips the ladder. Benoit climbs it, and then Jarrett tips the ladder. Jarrett climbs it, and then it gets tipped over again. Just like, I feel like you could have done without that sequence in the match and would have been better off for it. And it's not even just the... Yes, my issue with this match is that it's a repetitive ladder match. Repetitive and predictable. 
It's not even just that this segment's repetitive. These are the same segments that go into every ladder match. It's boring. You're going to have the fight for power. You're going to have someone tip it over. You're going to have it like someone else crawl up and the other person tip it over. Like it's just this is ladder match. I love ladder matches when there's multiple ladders. This is boring and repetitive and predictable. I, I think in general it is is also it's very difficult to do a one-on-one ladder match. I guess. Because you took somebody off the ladder, like, they should be selling that. And instead, like, there's nobody else there's no to... There's yeah, yeah, like, that's why the Hardys, Edge and Christian, and Dudley Boy matches Ugh. work so well. So because good. there's enough people to where, like, it makes sense for you people to like, take a rest. Yeah. And, yeah. Those were good matches. Like, it's not impossible, but it's incredibly difficult to do a good one-on-one ladder match, in my opinion. I think you're right. And a lot of the, a lot of the ones that are one-on-one end up having interference from... You know, the heels manager. So even then, there's something at a certain point where it's like, oh, this would win the match, but healer. Yeah, no, you're right. Benoit climbs the ladder. So so Jared hits a diving drop kick to the ladder and Benoit crashes to the ground. In a weird spot, Benoit goes to get thrown into the ladder, but like commando rolls under it (laughs) and then drop kicks the ladder into Jared. This knocks Jared out. Oh, yeah. He is out cold. Benoit climbs the ladder, literally puts his hand on the belt and goes, nah, and hits I'm a not di- done. Yeah, hits a diving headbutt from the top of the ladder onto Jarrett, then reclimbs the ladder and takes the belt down. Oh, head trauma. Yeah. I thought this was a good match. I was really bored. I liked this match. Okay, I'm glad that you enjoyed the, it. Again, there was the bit there where it got tipped like three times in a row where it just nothing interesting with it happened yeah to where i agree i'm like oh, okay this is getting i think we've just seen the same ladder match too many times in my opinion i'm just bored i think a tlc match or a multi-person match like a money in the bank sort of situation i think that's better that's a better way to do a ladder match credit to jared for having his working boots on during the show he did and doing two you know he he definitely had a rough matches boots. he's not my mvp no I will not give him MVP. I don't care if you were in every goddamn match on this card. You're not my MVP. Admittedly, I thought about it, but I actually think him interfering in the Sid match, I'm just just like, we get it. You're here. When he came up for this one, I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. But no, he's being earmarked for a big push and is like trying to like work to prove he's worth it. He's trying too hard. It's over. He's trying too hard and he's being pushed everywhere. Yes. He's trying too hard. Russo's trying too hard. It's all too much. He's 1999 Roman Reigns. Yes. He is, but less likable? He's WCW Poochie. Poochie? Yeah. Whenever Jarrett's not on screen, everybody should be asking, where's Jeff Jarrett? Oh, my God. So, Emily, are you ready to go to our Starcade main event? Well, there's someone there greeting, waiting to greet me. Well, in a minute, because first we get a video package. Which, admittedly, I tune most of these out because I'm like, They're I watched the, the Nitro. Yeah, exactly. We watched the build. We get Mike today interviewing Bret Hart. He, Bret says he wants to prove that he's the best there is, best there was, and best there ever will be. He did have a good line in this pro- in this package that was like, I'm going to prove tonight that Bill Goldberg will lose. It was just like, it was so simple. It's like, he'll lose. <laughs> well, speaking of Goldberg losing, you know what they didn't mention once? What? I'm like 90% sure that since last Starcade, Goldberg has only actually lost one match. Really? To Bret Hart under the really screwy huh. opening round thing where there was like 17 interferences. Interesting. Like he's basically not lost in a year. They kind of let go of the whole streak thing though. 
Well, because the streak's over. Yeah, but remember they were doing the Sid thing, too. I don't... Emily, why would you get me started on this? <laughs> Can't believe Sid tied the record. Wow. Can't believe Sid blew the record out of the water and didn't even make a big deal about it. What a humble king. We stand. <laughs> we stand the master and ruler of the world. But we go from Bret Hart's interview to the ring. And Emily, who's here? It's Michael Buffer time! <laughs> I don't know whether Michael Buffer fucked up or, or he decided to, you know, call an audible... Apparently, according to commentary, he did not say, let's get ready to rumble. He said, we are ready to yeah, rumble. Yeah, that's true. He did. He, he changed up the words a little bit. Does like, that mean he... that his rate of pay is a little less? <laughs> now, did he fuck up or did he uh, or did he go like, oh, no, no, we're, we're ready. It's Starcade. No, I think he fucked up. Yeah. He didn't call him Brett Hitman Clark, so there's that. Oh, God. Brett comes out first, and I'm like, you're the champion. Like, that's not the way that's supposed to be. Goldberg does his full entrance, already bleeding from headbutting a locker backstage. He, like, headbutts the door before he comes out of it, I thought. Yeah, it's something, but he's... Bro, yeah. stop it. As he's making his entrance, we both did know that, like, no, 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 like, this does have a big, big fight feel. It for, really does. For what it's worth in the build, like, this was an awful build. Yes. Like, there's no story going into yes. this. Like, weirdly enough, of all the matches that having a story, this might have been the worst one. I'd say maybe this or Jim Duggan and the Revolution. The story for this one's just, I promised you a match, here's the match. That's kind of it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even think I'm, like, misrepresenting that. The two shake hands and the bell rings. Goldberg powers Brett into the corner, but then we get a clean break. I'm like, nope, no one's going to be wrestling heel for this match. It's just two faces. Brett goes with the ground game to keep Goldberg down, and Goldberg shortly overpowers Brett with a shoulder tackle and then hits a big press slam into a power slam. Goldberg locks in an ankle lock type move, but Brett almost turns it into a sharpshooter in a smooth transition. Mm. But Goldberg powers out and gets to the ropes. They go outside and we get ref bump number one. Weird. Number one? Yeah, weird. I, Why are I you would counting? Count. Yeah. That's so weird. So weird and quirky of you. Big boot from Goldberg back inside. Goldberg hits an underhook suplex and on the move we get ref bump number two. Number two? Goldberg goes for a spear, but crashes into the corner turnbuckle. The actual pad, not the post. Yes. It still looked rough, though. Like, he went at it with some power. In something to note, Brett locks in a figure four around the ring post. Mm -hmm. And when he goes to do it, his head hits the, like, padding on the outside. Like, he doesn't... Brett Hart's does? Yes. Oh, interesting. That's been noted somewhat recently. When you actually watch it... People are like, oh, it hits the concrete. It hits the pads, but the pads aren't, you know, the the coziest. Yeah. It's vague who's who's supposed to be doing what support there. I don't know enough about that move to really. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Then we get some big Goldberg chants in this. We go back inside. Brett's working over the legs of Goldberg and locks in a figure four, but Goldberg powers to turn it over and Brett gets into the ropes, which prompts Goldberg's sucks chants. Yeah. What? They turn on him so quickly. Yeah. I, you don't hear Goldberg sucks often at all. I, I, I didn't know that people were rooting for Brett or rooting against Goldberg. I would think it's rooting for Brett, but it could be either. You're right. Brett keeps working over the legs and then gets Goldberg in the corner. Does a big wind up to punch Goldberg and then clocks the ref for ref bump number three. Jesus. And then we get a spot that we've been building to for quite a while on the podcast. Goldberg reverses an Irish whip. Bret Hart bounces off the ropes and Goldberg hits a big thrust kick right to Brett's head. This is commonly known as the kick that ends Bret Hart's career. So I don't totally understand why it ended his career. I understand that he got a concussion. 
But I don't understand why that was a career-ending thing. All concussions are different, but... I guess. Brett does go on to wrestle more matches, so he goes on to aggravate the concussion, Mm, for lack of a better term. And that, you know, that may be the more true cause, but this is... The inciting incident. Yes. Okay. And that kick is why Bret Hart hates Goldberg. Oh, my God. Everything we've been joking about, that kick is why. I had no idea that it was coming, like soon i know that's why i'm like just just wait we're so close i had no idea yeah it just i don't think i realized that he hated goldberg because of like a career ending thing either yeah wow. i mean just you know goldberg even at this point 99 is still a bit green and still you know I guess, rough with yeah. people and doesn't take the most care of their opponents very you know different different end of the spectrum than bret hart i mean there's an OSW joke that if you watch Bret Hart get thrown to the outside, mm-hmm. he grabs every rope on the way down to, like, cushion the blow. So, mm, okay, it's, you know, Goldberg works a lot harder, and sometimes that means he he, he stiffs you hard for real. Yeah. And, you know, when you get kicked full force in the head like that, yeah, especially... By Brett's, a big guy. Bret's also running into it is the other yeah. problem, because he bounces off the ropes. Oof. But... Our our Bret Hart matches are numbered. We will. Ninety nine is um, a shit year to be Bret Hart, isn't it? Yeah, uh, and I I don't even know if you know this. Um, around the end of two thousand one, early two thousand two, he suffers a stroke too. I think I did know his, that. Like, like I think I think it, it's induced by like his dad dying. Yeah. It's like Jesus. Yeah, I think I did know that. This poor man's been through the fucking ringer. Yeah. That said. Don't listen to Eric Bischoff talk about Bret Hart. No, fuck Eric Bischoff. Yeah. I'm assuming don't listen to Vince Russo or Vince McMahon talk about him either. Um, Vince Russo actually likes Bret Hart. That's okay. Okay. And Vince McMahon, they've had their issues, but I think now, you know, there's maybe some reverence. It's weird. I don't know. I would just take everything that anybody who's booking wrestling says about Bret Hart. I would take it all with a grain of salt. Yeah. So after that, we get Goldberg spearing Bret Hart, but there's no referee, so no one can count. No one's able to count the pin. Then we get Roddy Piper coming out, and Emily, do you remember your exact words when he came out? Because I almost busted out laughing. I do want to note: I knew the end of this match before it happened. What did I say? Ah, the hero we needed. I did say that. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> just watching you walk straight into traffic. And I'm like, oh, she doesn't know. Oh, no, the bus is coming. <laughs> Should I tell her? Nah. Brett then takes out the leg of Goldberg and puts him in the sharpshooter. And in the middle of turning him over, Roddy Piper turns towards ringside and calls for the bell. Bret Hart has won via screw job. It's Montreal all fucking over again. This is so stupid. <sighs> this is so stupid. Bret Hart finally had a good moment. And it's like, nope, let's do Montreal. Why did Bret agree to this? I think his Bret Hart's over it. Maybe. I, I think that's what it is. So that that's, I was listening to something with Eric Bischoff. That's why I was saying, don't listen to Eric Bischoff about this. Eric Bischoff's like, oh, well, we can blame, blame Bret Hart for this. Like, what? Why the fuck would we do that, first yeah. of all? Like, well, he could have said no. And it's like, I Bret Hart is pretty mentally checked out. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. I think especially when you pitch to him, he goes, oh, yeah. Great. Fuck it. Fine. I guess. So Piper grabs the, grabs the belt, heads towards the back. Bret confronts him and Piper hands him the belt and leaves. Bret doesn't understand. He's Shawn Michaels now and uh, they go off the air. 
this was a good match until Vince Russo it got was. in the way. It was a good match. Yeah, this is um, <laughs> this is even big the f- old wolf. This isn't even the first time that Vince Russo has rehashed Montreal. Well, he probably thinks it's hilarious. He's a fucking masochist. He probably thinks it's the funniest thing that ever happened to wrestling. I, no, it's not that he thinks it's funny. It's that like, oh, Montreal was so real. We need to bring that that realness back. He's the kind of guy that would pitch the real world WCW to MTV. I'm shocked. I would be shocked if that conversation didn't happen. I'm not aware of any WWE reality shows, but you should look into if any of them ever actually existed. If they exist, I will watch them. And I will obsess over them. But with uh, with that match in the books, that's it for Starcade 99. A weird show. I didn't hate it. But not a bad show. No, it was definitely not as bad as I was anticipating. I think my expectations are low, which makes, you know, everything kind of better than I expected. But it really wasn't that bad of a show. Minus the absolutely bullshit finish of Nash and Sid, and the bullshit finish of the main event, but like, yeah. and and of, you didn't you... none of the match quality was abysmal. No, it was just right. like eh. it was boring. But you even lost your mind at um them carrying like Sting out, and you looked at me after what I said last week. You're like, this is what I love when everything starts to just fall apart and become unhinged. Yeah. I want them to try. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The problem with Nitro was it didn't feel like they were trying. I want. So here's I the want comparison. to see the I want to see the train go off the rails. Here's the comparison that I can make. You don't like bad movies. You like movies that are trying to be good that end up being bad. You don't like Sharknado. You like The Room. <laughs> Yes, I I know how much I'd cite the room, but yeah, I, I yes, I I want. You see the, what I mean, though. I want the hubris. Yes, the room was made trying to be good. Yeah, he was trying to make a good movie. Sharknado was never trying to be a good movie. Yeah, Sharknado knew what it was, but the room thought that it was going to be an Oscar-winning movie, and that's what makes it so golden. Yes, I think that's why you like this so much. You like the hubris. You like somebody behind the scenes being like, "This is fucking art," yeah. but it's very much not. <laughs> Yeah, Vince Russo is like, I just need six months. This is all going to turn around. Mm-hmm. And it's like... So when does that six months start? Oh, sweetie. <laughs> oh, honey, oh, sweetie, no. You, I mean, you're in much better spirits than last Starcade. At least at the end of it. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> fuck that Starcade. It was probably a better show last year, too. Just with more of a bullshit finish. I mean, I, won't, I can't remember the show because the finish was so garbage. That will only ever be the fucking stun gun Starcade to me. That's yeah. it. In similar ways, that's all anyone remembers that one for. That sounds about right. And the main event of this one is all anyone remembers this one for. That's sad. When when you when you book bullshit finishes and it's the last thing people and it's yeah. the last thing people see, it's a thing they remember. No, and you're right. But with Starcade X7 done, let's go to our best bit, worst bit, and MVP. So I am having a hard time finding my best bit, so I might need to hear yours before I decide mine. Well, I have one in the back burner in my head, but I have a worst bit and I have an MVP. Well, Emily, my best bit is the ladder match, so you're not going to pick that one. Well, okay, that makes my decision <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed the ladder match. I thought it was the best worked match of the night. I Damn, think, okay. Admittedly, seeing Jeff Jarrett earlier does take away from it, but I think... I actually... I didn't take notes on the first time I watched it and then rewatching it today when it was just like oh it's just a match it came off better so I think the Jeff Jarrett fatigue didn't weigh on me as much because I watched it a little more in isolation and you watched it with a day removed yeah there was just so much there was way too much Jeff Jarrett I think it's a good match and I think that little repetitive bit doesn't kill it it's not even just that bit it's just it's ladder matches in general I have ladder match fatigue I'm over it 
I guess I'm going to give my best bit to the DDP David match then. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I really I, love that match. I really I, thought like they both did a really good job. You know, on other days, I've given you shit for having D having David Flair in like your best bit or MVP. I, I'm, I'm not going to give any shit here. I, that was a good well, match. Well, good, because let me tell you who my MVP is. Is it David Flair? It sure is. He found who he is in the ring, and he knows what he's doing, and he's doing really well with it. Well, I gave my MVP to the other side of that match, and it's DDP for basically putting together a match yeah. to which David Flair looks good. There you go. All right. And, uh, do you have a worst bit? I do. Do you have a worst bit? I do. I What's, think our worst bits are the same. What is your worst bit? Kevin Nash. Oh, no. I really thought about it, but no, I have to give it to Mo doing Montreal again. Okay. I guess that's fair. I mean... That one didn't make me as angry as the Kevin Nash finish. I think part of the issue is... I am so f done with them doing Montreal. You've not seen it done nearly as much as I have. Yeah. And in fair. 1999, it hasn't been done as much. But I'm so tired of, like, once a fucking year, for like 15 years, it was, all right, let's do the screw job finish. Like, some major company was doing the screw job finish. And I'm yeah. just like, I just don't fucking need it. That is annoying. I'll give you that. Because. Russo did it with uh, Survivor Series 98, did the screw job, just to be like, oh, it's a year from the actual Montreal, and we get one here, and there's probably fucking one in 2000, I'm forgetting. Probably. But, but then the pipe bomb happens in the 2010s, and then that becomes the thing. Yes. Like, Which, ironically, they actually tease during that match that they're going to do a screw job. Of course. <laughs> because <sighs> history is, say it with me, folks, cyclical. Yeah, but this... Continuing the trend of let's do Montreal, I'm just it it's it's more what it stands for rather than what it is. Fair. Because I mean, I'll admit the finish of uh, Nash and Sid was a close fucking second. Oh my god! I just anything that like makes me feel like I, vehement anger, I have to give it. To and that. I think the other point in Screwjob's favor or detriment, depending on how you want to look at it, was it ruined a good match versus yeah. was Sid and Nash really that good a match? Right. But yeah, that. That's another episode in the books for us here at the Butts Seats Podcast. Next up, it's the Nitro after Starcade. <laughs> and Emily, let me tell you, it's a fucking doozy. Oh, no. There's, there's some big things happening. Oh, no. But until then, you can follow us on social media at Butts in the Pod on Twitter and Instagram and Butts in the Seats Podcast on Facebook. Also, listen to all our back catalog, including last year's Starcade and the uh, WrestleMania in between then and now. Just to kind of give it some comparison. Just to give it some comparison, you listen to that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Emily, any closing thoughts on uh, on this show? We're almost at 2,000. We have two more nitros. We're getting there. I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in a place of I want to die right now. I know. We're like weirdly optimistic. I know. <laughs> it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Like, it didn't leave us with like a good taste in our mouth, but like... it not as bad as I thought it was going to be. And the way that you're looking at me makes me think that Nitro is going to make me want to die. Well, let's see how so, long that lasts. Yeah. But until that episode, I'm Nick. Yeah, I'm Emily. And uh, beware of the future oh, of the God. Bust in the Seats podcast. Bye. <laughs>